Hello, and welcome to a Mind Matters podcast presented by A Light for Change, where we talk about the who, what, where, why, and how we as a community can make positive changes. The when is up to all of us, and it starts with you. Before I start, let's get into a positive zone, and I'll share my thoughts on a question from Graduate Thrivers Paz Cards. The card drawn last week is purple for relationships, and the question is, how does your family make you feel special? For me, family is expansive and includes so many. I have friends that are like family, a third cousin from a different tree is my version of the saying a brother from another mother or a sister from another mister they are always there to encourage with kind words and helping hands or even jumping in and getting dirty with me i have distant family like opa who always takes the time to let me know he sees me all of me all my emotions all that i face with courage i also have unrelated almost were my family, that I refused to break a bond with, like Janine, my ex-mother-in-law, but her son and I parted ways, who supports me by taking the time to really listen to see and to see me for more than the moment, more than my past, showing me what unconditional love looks like. I can't forget to throw a mention to the rest of that family as well whose kind regard and supportive words remind me that we are always connected and that a chance will always be given to those who step forward in good faith. They teach me each time that people can see past our deepest, darkest secrets that makes us feel vulnerable and take you as you are, giving me the courage to stand on my dark steps to make the next ones more colorful as I walk through my life. I have distant family, new family from the tree I married into, who I've embraced, who have embraced me without question and showed me how much in common we all have, despite where we are from, how old we are, our financial status, or our language barriers. They don't miss a beat in guiding me on how to live a joyous life, and most of them are amazing examples of compassion and how to live mindfully joyous learning how to be a better you with each life lesson my in-laws have taken me as so much more than their son's wife they make me feel as if i am their daughter they share their wisdom with me with each life story and give us all the support in the world to grow as a family through our own life lessons along our journey together. We are all buckling at the knees under the weight of life. They do more than just give us a hand to pull us out and lift our weight up, but they give us or show us where to get the tools to strengthen our body and our mind so we can keep pushing through, no matter how heavy life makes its weight. Then I have my direct family that lives in my house. My mom makes me feel special 
because even though I can be a lot to because she makes me feel needed despite the challenges it brings me. My husband makes me feel special because even though I can be a lot to handle, he is willing to handle me on the good days and the bad. And what's more, he loves me through it and is happy to live through life's lessons by my side and share the weight across both our backs, walking hand in hand. My daughter makes me feel special because she is my biggest cheerleader, always willing to sacrifice my time with her so I can follow the steps I need to and my projects require. She's always understanding of how money is budgeted and unselfishly saying, Mom, you forgot your projects. Take what is in the budget for me. Not that I ever do, but it's the thought that counts. My youngest son makes me feel special because he won't let me forget that to him, I am the most special person in the world because I make him feel loved and seen in almost those birds, but with a much wordier and roundabout explanation like kids do. I also have my angels. My eldest son makes me feel special because he blessed me with the most amazing 14 years of being able to watch him grow and see how wonderful he is and continues to bless me with the ability to see the pain in the world that he felt so empathetically. The angels deemed he should be granted the weight lifted from his shoulders and wings given in place. He pushes me to do all the things I have been doing that my daughter supports because I know from deep within the fire he made bigger with his flame will make a positive difference for so many that life is willing to lighten the barrel and to be a more manageable weight for all. My other angel, my dad, makes me feel special every day from beyond the grave because there are so many moments I I am reminded of how his love and guidance gave me the emotional hygiene to handle so much. He made me feel so special as a child that I can still hear him saying, I love you, be you, you got this. I bet that was a longer answer than you thought you were going to get. So let's get to the topic now, shall we? This is lesson, season one, mental health, episode seven, problem solving and conflict management. What does mental health have to do with problem solving, you might be asking? Well, that is a two-part answer. First, if your mind is afflicted from something in a way that affects your life, there is most certainly a problem that is conflicting and needs to be resolved or managed. Second is that afflicted people are extremely sensitive and often have low distress tolerance, which can make interacting with the world difficult. If you can determine a way to get through these distresses that are faced morning till night, it can offer an opportunity to endure the moment and find the joy on the other side. That's where all of you who want to shine a light on ways the average Joe can make a difference come in. If you see someone in distress, gently guide them to turn off their alarms and find a way to work through the problem. Let them know you're willing to help and talk it out if they want, but can also let them be if they are okay. When you see someone get 
heated, remind them to step back and find a productive way to address their problems. I am one of those weird people who gets along with and accepts everyone and amicably expresses my intrigue to understand the things I do not. However, even though each that I meet would welcome me with a hug even years later, bar a handful I wronged in learning, they can only appreciate that I have this universal compassion and am willing to get my hands dirty to wholly see others, but are not willing to see past their own understandings of the world, which has caused me to feel like I can never truly fit in with any group and am not willing to hold my focus that I am not willing to hold my focus on their perspective understandings, closing my eyes forever to all other perspectives that I have already expanded my heart more than three sizes with. Though I don't think I ever became a Grinch, I did sink into my misery pretty deep. Conflict is part of life. The degree you encounter depends on how you choose to interact with it. And not every conflict will have a resolution. Sometimes you will need to live and let live. Here's another way all of you can do your part in shining a light on a better way all of us can live. You can apply the stab and approach to how you deal with things you don't understand, and you can understand that people will live their own path. By putting the best you forward and handling conflict while you are doing the most and handling conflict well, you are doing the most important thing anyone can do. You are showing people how you can get along with each other, and that is what's missing in our world. Conflict is inevitable, but life isn't a competition. We are all winners, and not just for showing up, but for overcoming our battles, even if we lost a few matches. It is not about living conflict-free. It is about how you handle conflict and problems in your life and how you acceptingly move on from them. According to my Resiliency Workbook, you are likely to have experienced conflict in the workplace or anywhere, in fact, at some point. Conflict can be uncomfortable and increase our fear and anxiety levels. It can make the workplace an uninvading space. Although we cannot control how other people act, we can learn how to control how we respond when faced with conflict. Some examples of conflict may include disagreement with a coworker, peer, or someone you are interacting with, micromanaging supervisors and nosy neighbors or bossy partners, lack of trust, lack of support or guidance, and lack of respect. You may have been able to tolerate rather than escape your negative emotions or fight arrogantly and your distress has subsided. It may be worth asking yourself whether the distress you are experiencing is regarding a situation you can do something about. That is, is your distress regarding something you have some control over and can you take action to improve how you are feeling. If so, the first thing you should do is determine points of problematic cause by asking yourself what could be causing you to get stressed or could you be giving or could be giving you problems in achieving your goals to get ahead in life. 
Sometimes these problems re reveal themselves when you start to look for a pattern in the occurrence of distress intolerance. For many, it's when there is an excess of stressful events at the same time, like having all your bills due the same day. It's how you're procrastinating, procrastinating until it's too late or having an extracurricular activity every day of the week. Others may find their stress is environment-based, a disorganized location or excessive noise. Some distresses come through having relationships where communication or interaction has changed from what once was comfortable. This is just a few of the possibilities, but I think you get that I am not saying to find someone to blame, but to find where the issue exists for you. Next, the, define the problem by breaking down the parts of the problem. There are often at least three parts, you, the subject, and external life factors, but some will have hundreds of working parts that connect. Remember that you are not the problem, nor is anyone else, but there are things within the problem that will relate to you as well as they will relate to others. These often include things like your salary, your schedule, your desires, your tolerance levels, your health, your diet, your opinions, your use of your time, your emotions, your dedication, and things of this nature. The subject is usually pretty set in stone, but many have a few factors that often include things as bills, employment, universally used objects like cars, purchases, quality of items, but it's certainly not limited to these. The external factors are things that don't seem within your control, like how many hours there are in a day, set societal schedules like bus routes, your co-workers and their mindsets, due dates, neighbors and their behaviors or opinions, teammates, and the list is endless. As you work through solving the problem, these external factors are made to be within your control by discovering ways to work with them even though you can't change them. Other parts to consider are more relatable to the steps you could work with when trying to solve the problem. Possible accommodations, facilitating equipment, common ground outside the conflict, the bigger unifying topic and flexibility to make changes that are amicable are all just as important to consider than the who, what, and why. Now you can generate workable solutions of which there are often multiple ways, some more practical than others. Many like to make a list because you're going to look deeper into each one as we work towards solving the problem. I like to write as many as possible, even if they seem outlandish, or too simple to possibly fix things because I have learned over the years that we often will apply more than one solution in stages as we break the problem into smaller and more manageable tasks. I like to do the same for my goals and consider the act of solving the problem of how to make the path towards my goals a goal for me to achieve. Not all your possibilities need to address the whole problem but they all need to address at least one of the parts of the problem. I like to write down even the preposterous solutions 
as well, because you never know when they might present an alternative way of thinking or using the more practical solutions in combination. From here, you can analyze each solution by asking things like what part of the problem does it address? Does it create other problems? What are the benefits? Are there other parties involved? What are the available resources to help take steps towards a solution? How many smaller steps does it involve you or others making? What are the costs involved? Is it amicable? For other parties involved? Are there scheduling conflicts? Is there, is it a conducive to the big picture? Does it solve the problem productively? Is it emotionally driven? Are there facts to back up the viability of the solution and involve steps or whatever seems relevant to you and the problem? Follow this by ranking them best to least or cheapest to most costly, even quickest to the most time consuming, easiest to most thorough, or whatever the problem calls for. The cards are now on the, all on the table and clearly grouped by hands. Which hand are you going to sit in front of? Once you choose, you are making the statement to solve the problem at hand using this method and should remind yourself of what that what comes out of following your problem and following your choice with dedication and what comes from not following through are both your responsibility i like to make a mantra of sorts that makes me the owner of these two possibilities, accepting that I am my only barrier and only I have the power to adjust the path if needed, maintaining my ownership in the choice to move in the proposed direction. This prevents me from blaming others when things go wrong. Although I will warn you not to take it as far as I did and blame yourself for things you cannot have controlled. I am learning to accept that how I move forward and how I handle the situation boils down to me, but I am not to blame just the one responsible for moving forward from what is done and cannot be undone. Now you can create a path out of the pebbles that were once your problem boulder by using the stages of your solution as mile markers and steps to achieve those goals as the stepping stones on the path filled in by dirt that is the productive action that you move through each step. I like to choose four main stages or pillars and give each of them four stepping stones, each with four piles of dirt. And if what I am processing is complex, I give each pile of dirt four grains of sand giving me up to 68 small manageable steps that I can make to solve the big problem I was facing. All right, you've got a plan, but a plan is nothing if it is not followed. So the next step is obvious, but the amount of dedication required usually sways people to settle with having the problem or giving up 
and finding a new beginning. I urge you to keep going. Walk the path you created and put each step into action as you go, implementing the plan. Don't worry if things go wrong along the way. The beautiful beautiful thing is you can always review and analyze again. However, now instead of it being a problem that affects you, it becomes conflict management or conflict resolution, depending on how you choose to handle this little wrench in your plans. When it comes to conflict, the world of psychology has accepted Jeannie Bryan's Staben approach and presents it in therapy sessions and leadership courses. Staben is a method for approaching conflict where it is an acronym for a structured method of approaching how to handle it. It involves organizing your thoughts beforehand and creating a statement to address the conflict. The letters of Staben stand for S, source, who or what specifically is causing the conflict, T, for time and place, pick the best time and place to approach the source or person responsible for the source to talk about the conflict. A is for amicable approach. Begin with a positive statement. B is behavior. What is the specific behavior that is causing the conflict? E is emotion. Identify the emotion and convey it with an I statement. I feel unheard. I feel displaced. I feel I am not being made best use of, or so forth. N is for need. What do you need to happen to resolve the conflict? Learning how to manage conflict can help improve your confidence and open lines of communication. There is an assertiveness skill as you are letting others know their actions or behaviors make you feel uncomfortable in a clear and productive way. This will allow you to get back to the star of the show, which is the situation at hand, the tasks you need to complete, and acting to achieve a result. That's the basics of what I've gathered on how to handle conflict, and normally I give examples as we go, but I didn't want to distract from the steps to this process. I face many small problems, just like all the rest of you, and have always been good at solving problems in public settings. Just the other day, I was out at an active entertainment facility geared towards children, and there was an older lady who was terribly upset that her child her grandchild, sorry, had been denied access to a ride because the child's hour that was paid for in the facility was up, despite the fact that the child had spent 45 minutes of that hour waiting in the one line. The child's grandmother laid into the 16-year-old ride attendant that was following the facility's protocols and was not permitted to give special treatment. It wasn't my place but I stepped right in and reminded the lady she was wasting her breath and setting a bad example for her grandchild on how to handle the problem, letting her know that there are listed ways to complain, not that it would be any more effective. The lady left, but I didn't stop there. I continued to remind the young attendant 
that her job is to keep the client safe, moving with a steady flow, and satisfied with their visit. I let her know that there is not always a solution, but the client needs to know you heard them and consider their concerns valid for them to feel. You may not have the power, but you can let the client know you'll bring it up when you're next at your next meeting with someone who does to address the issue and give the method outlined in the policies for complaining, usually a generalized email to the company. The attendant put her smile back on and went off to deal with letting my child on the ride who was behind the other child, but still had five more minutes until his hour ran out. That's a simple scenario, though. But I said earlier some problems are more complex. I am facing an overly complex problem that after growing, going through the planning part of the process, I have determined will require five or more years to achieve the solution, depending on how smooth the journey is. I need money to achieve the new goals that came about as a realization of my breakdown, but my job is meaningless and I am just a drone that makes decent pay and good benefit, which was great when I just wanted to slave for my children's comfort and save for retirement. But now I have a purpose that brings meaning to my life and want to create a model for a business to follow that is inclusive of those with afflicted mental health and creates a more productive environment for every employee, eventually scaling that into a model community to present to urban planners held to governing regulation and the governing bodies that create the regulations. But this will cost hundreds of thousands to properly start up and at least 10% down for a business loan. I've been on reduced income for years since my nervous breakdown, so there's nothing left to save for investing. Now I'm legitimately qualified for disability once my insurance terminates next October but the support payments I would receive would be just enough to cover the cost of living and minimal amount of extras in combination with my husband's income and could just spend my time healing myself, but I don't know how to be selfish yet, so let me explain the path that I did choose. I'm going back to work, openly disclosing my condition to build myself up, adding a second job, a a product sales side hustle as well for the next five years to save money as I work through the preliminary planning and preparation stages. I realize that is a lot of time spent working, but only 60 hours a week doing things I don't really care to do. It also means I need to depend on my family and friends to help with childcare and responsibilities like housework. Furthermore, it means keeping my focus on my goals, limited to a small amount of time, and not while I am working. I will also have to somehow fit in continuing to heal under real-time exposure, even though I am not cleared as being ready from a professional's medical opinion. I will also have to contend with others' lack of understanding, seeing as my condition is not visible to others. All of this said, I am still willing to make my own choice to do all of these sacrifices in achieving my goal. Here are the steps I promise to follow with my dedication. 
Tyler wanted us to return to work with the steps being the first communicate how my condition requires accommodation and have them approved, then integrate solely part-time and increasing full-time over a period of three months, then afterwards maintaining full-time for a bit, taking the job offer to work part-time at Calypso Water Park while my children enjoy their season passes under the assisted guise of my friend, who also has season passes for all of her family members, while simultaneously working with my peers at both jobs to create a mindfully inclusive warehouse and amusement park model. Then, with the first bit of money I saved to set myself up to sell my handcrafted home decor and hand-sculpted garden decor that requires I make samples to have photographed and supplies in bulk to make orders as they come in. Pillar two is to save with the steps being to maintain the same limited way of life as we had been before I returned to work, then setting up accounts to block saved money from access and allow the funds to grow. Once Calypso ends, replace with working three days a week in entertainment as a default. In step three, that will also be to finalize presentable business plan and for me to follow and then set myself up with a business and financial advisor to determine my optimal ways to keep moving forward. Pillar three won't happen for about three years of maintaining pillar two, but it is to prepare to open my business as planned with the steps being to find the inventory and supply the vendors at good prices then to find the professionals I wish to team up with who are interested in working towards our initiative. After that, I can find and design a location in collaboration with the professionals on the team, followed by creating the procedures and organizing the income-generating aspects while creating a brand of the message. Pillar 4 will happen a year or two after we start moving through the third pillar, but it is to open the business with the steps being to hire staff, followed by advertising and promotional events, then a period of adjusting as issues arise while concentrating on the model of mindful inclusivity, and finally presenting the model to other businesses. Now let's see how well I follow this plan by keeping my dedication and still make time for the things I enjoy doing, like these podcasts, with the hope that by the end of 25 seasons you will have grown with me as i face the world continuing to be afflicted by my compound ptsd while mindfully achieving my goals with joy learning how to manage better with each struggle i encounter that you can relate to practicing each new method i gain from therapy and share with you and together finding the happiness inside to see the simple life of freedom from negatives shackling our ankles so we can live a life we all deserve. I want to remind you that here, right here, that you do your part to make a difference by understanding everyone has a path, be it for solving a problem in the present or a plan for the future. If someone lets you in on their plan, support them as best as you can. Even if it's just a simple you got this, I'm rooting for you message.
As I leave you to think on this topic, I challenge you to think about this mindfulness exercise until next week as well. Think about some trivial things that you find problematic because they limit you from being happy overall and try to work the process of solving the problem. I will close this conversation by drawing another card from the positive attitude zone, path cards for short. This question will be the opening question for the next episode. The card drawn is yellow for forethought. And the question is, what can you do to help someone? And we will get to that next week. But in the meantime, you can get your past cards at www.graduatethrivers.com. That's spelled capital G, small, R-A-D, capital U, small, I-T, capital T, small, H-R-I-V-E-R-S, dot com. Stay wonderful. Wholesome, happy, open-minded, and natural, and smile as much as you can. Take care until we talk again. This has been Heidi Hardy on a Light for Change podcast.